I love that song. We haven't done that for a long time. That's one of my favorites. Jeremiah chapter 37. If you want to run and grab a refill of coffee or cookies, you could do so as I give our introduction. Thank you, Muriel. You know, guys, um, Jeremiah chapter 37, 38, 39 are in chronological order. Now, that might be a surprise to some of you if you're not familiar with Jeremiah. Remember when we began our study in Jeremiah, we noted that Jeremiah is not in chronological order. And so there are things that are really kind of, you know, it's kind of a hard book to, uh, not to read or to study, but to just kind of follow the flow of it. But the next three chapters are chronological. The next three chapters deal with the final days of Jeremiah, not his, not that he dies, but his final days as the final days of the siege, you know, the third siege against Jerusalem. It's going to be completed here. It's going to be done. And, and, and it kind of deals with those last, that last season of time. And so keep that in mind as we look at this. When you read through it, read through the chapters, and I asked you to read through them because I'm not going to spend all of our time in Jeremiah. We're going to go to another portion of Scripture in the New Testament tonight. Um, but as you read through it, what came to mind? Did you think to yourself, boy, it'd be hard to be a prophet of God? That's what I think of whenever I read about the difficulties that these men went through. What, how hard it would be to be a prophet of God. You know, this was not an easy task. This was not an easy mission or ministry. You're called by God. It's not like you say, you know, I'd like to volunteer for this position. Prophets never volunteered for the positions. They were called to the position. They're called. They're given a message. They're to go out and to speak whatever the message is from God. Thus says the Lord. Now, um, at face value, you think, well, that's easy enough. Well, no, because when the people don't like the message, they're going to come after the messenger. They're not going to necessarily, you know, how could they touch God? How could they harm God? They can't see God, but they could surely see the messenger. Even though the message was coming from God himself, this wasn't Jeremiah's opinion on these things. He was just simply speaking the words that the Lord gave to him. He spoke these words, and it's a difficult thing. But you know what, guys? Um, it's also a difficult thing to be a Christian. I mean, if we're truly, truly, you know, walking the walk and doing the, uh, you know, as the Lord has called us to do, uh, I don't want to embarrass him, but David sent me a text. It was kind of a praise report. Uh, he was, he lives in Anacortes. He was tra handing out tracts in, um, at the Safeway at, in Anacortes, and uh, there was some favorable response until he was kicked off the grounds. Praise the Lord. I rejoiced at that. I said, well, that's great, man. David's out there. He's doing what he felt like the Lord put upon his heart. And there's ramifications. Why? Because people hate the gospel. And so there's always going to be opposition. And, and this is something that we need to understand. You know, if you, if you have a desire for ministry, you really need to count the cost of being a disciple. And you really need to consider the fact that this is not going to be an easy task. This is going to be a difficult task. 
Well, Lord, we pray tonight as we look at Jeremiah chapter 37 and 30, I'm sorry, 38, uh, what chapters are we on? <laughs> 37 and 38 tonight. Pray, Lord, that you would teach us from these chapters, Lord. Give us insight. Give us understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, chapter 37. Look at verse 3, kind of down toward the end of the verse. This is a request from Zedekiah the king, the king that was set upon the throne by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. His request, pray now to the Lord our God for us. Now Jeremiah was coming and going among the people for they had not yet put him in prison. Talk about a hard ministry. Then Pharaoh's army came up from Egypt when the Chaldeans who and when the Chaldeans, who were besieging Jerusalem, heard news of them, they departed from Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to the king of Judah, who sent you to me to require of me. Behold, Pharaoh's army, which has come up, to help you will return to Egypt, to their own land. And the Chaldeans shall come back and fight against the city and take it and burn it with fire. Thus says the Lord, do not deceive yourselves, saying, the Chaldeans will surely depart from us, for they will not depart. For though you had defeated the whole army of the Chaldeans who fight against you, and there remain only wounded men among them, they would rise up every man in his tent and burn the city with fire. Guys, you know, the Babylonians, they're sacking the city once again. The Egyptians that seemed to be kind of the arm of the flesh that Israel would turn to in, in times of need, they come riding in, you know, the, 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 at, to their rescue, you know, they come in, the Chaldeans, it looks like, oh, this is wonderful. Chaldeans, they leave because they don't want to fight with the Egyptians, you know, they're a, a foe to be reckoned with. And, and I'm sure that they began to settle down and say, oh, man, it's over. Boy, that was a close one. That was a difficult time. But now our friends, the Egyptians are here. Everything's good. Calm down, everyone. Everyone, everything's going to go back to normal. And Jeremiah was told by the Lord, no, you tell the king it's not going back to normal. Guys, when you look at this, it's... It's apparent. I mean, we've noted, we've mentioned the fact that as you read through Jeremiah, it's a bit redundant. I mean, it repeats itself. We, we hear the same judgment over and over and over again. At this point, if you've been here during our Jeremiah study, you know exactly what's happening. They're going into captivity 70 years because they owe the land 70 years of sabbatical rest. They're going into uh, Babylon, did I say Egypt? I meant Babylon. They're going into Babylon for 70 years because of their idolatry. I think it's ironic that God sends the Babylonians, and biblically speaking, where does adultery originate? Idolatry originates in Babel, Babylon. I mean, they're going to the place, to the seat of idolatry. 
And it's interesting, when you look at, when you read the scriptures, it's almost as if their 70 years in Babylonian captivity cured them of idolatry. Israel did not have issues with idolatry after 70 years in the, in the, the, you know, the seat of idolatry. But they're going. Judgment is coming. Uh, Jeremiah has been proclaiming. He's not the only prophet that was speaking. There were a number of prophets that were speaking at that time. Judgment is coming. Nothing's going to stop it. It's coming. It's coming. You have to settle in. You have to realize that judgment is coming. Verse 11. And it happened when the army of the Chaldeans left the siege of Jerusalem for the fear of Pharaoh's army that Jeremiah went out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to claim his property there. So I thought, well, this would be a great time. I mean, at least there is kind of a, a lull in the, you know, the battles. You know, the Babylonians are gone. The Egyptians are here. You know, and I, this would be a good time. I need to go to Benjamin and redeem a piece of land that is, is mine. I need to go deal with that, so I'll go deal with that. And if you've read the text, you know that as he was there, there was a captain who saw uh, Jeremiah there, and he said, oh, you're, de you're deserting to the Chaldeans. You're going over to the enemy's side. And Jeremiah says, false. That's not true. I'm not, I'm not doing this. And of course, this got Jeremiah into hot water. You know, it's a frustrating thing when you're misunderstood, when people, you know, look at you and the decisions you make, the words that you speak, and, and they see it and they kind of put a negative twist on the things you're doing, especially when it's sincerely done as unto the Lord. It's a difficult thing to be falsely accused. Now, if we're accused of something that we're guilty of, then we got to take our lumps. But when you're falsely accused of something, that's hard. And we see that happening many times with the prophets. Look at verse 16. When Jeremiah entered the dungeon and the cells, and Jeremiah realized, or remained, excuse me, remained there many days, then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out, and the king asked him secretly, in his house and said, is there any word from the Lord? Guys, first there was the request, pray for us. Pray to God for us, Jeremiah. Here's the second request. Is there any word from the Lord? And then there was a third. We'll see the third in, in chapter 38 and verse 14, where he says, I will ask you something. Hide nothing from me. So you have Zedekiah, by the way, if ever Israel, if ever Judah, the southern kingdom, if ever, ever Judah needed a strong, godly king, it was then. <laughs> and Zedekiah, sadly, was neither <laughs> strong or godly. He was weak. He was a weak, fearful man. And we see that in our two chapters tonight but he he you know asked the question is there a word from the Lord I think it's interesting because as you read the text it becomes apparent that his 
his request was really insincere because he had no intention of heeding the word of God. I mean, how many times does Jeremiah need to speak something? Thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. And you just turn deaf ears to it. And that was the case. That was the case for Zedekiah. That was the case for the kings before him. That was the case for the children of Israel, really, as a whole. I'm sure there was a faithful remnant there. And uh, Jeremiah, look at the next part of that verse. And Jeremiah said, there is... Then he said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. I mean, it's the same message. Moreover, Jeremiah said to the king Zedekiah, what offense have I committed against you, against your servants or against this people that you have put me in prison? Where now are your prophets who prophesied to you saying, the king of Babylon will not come against you or against this land? You know what, guys? There were false prophets then. There are false prophets and teachers today. There will always be false prophets and teachers. The false prophets disappear when it becomes apparent that their prophecies are false. See, if the false prophets are saying really what the people wanted to hear, what the kings, the leaders wanted to hear, Babylonians aren't coming. There's going to be peace. Don't worry about it. And then the Babylonians come. Not once, not twice, but three times. Where, where are the false prophets? They're hiding someplace. Because what could they say? What could they possibly say? As they were saying, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. They've been proven wrong. And so Jeremiah kind of calls them out. He, in essence, he's saying, listen, king. You ask, you require, inquire, you know, you, 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 you say, oh, is there a word from the Lord? You wouldn't listen if there was a word from the Lord. You listen to your false prophets, but where are they now? The king of Babylon will not come against, this is what the false prophet said, against you or against this land. Therefore, please hear now, oh, my Lord, the king, please let my petition be accepted before you. And do not make me return to the house of Jonathan. That's where the prison was, the dungeon was. The scribe, lest I die. Then Zedekiah the king commanded that they should commit Jeremiah to the court of the prison. So no longer in the dungeon. Now you're just held in the court of the prison. He's still in prison, though. And, and that he should give him da a daily piece of bread from the uh, Baker Street, until the bread in the city is gone. And even in the next chapter, we see that the bread does run out. You know, guys, kind of a, a companion to Jeremiah, of course, book is Lamentations. And you read Lamentations, and it is, it is, it is the funeral. It is a dirge for the death of a city and the death of a people. And it's so sad. It really is. As you read Lamentations, you know, it's a book that really, at least for me, I could just kind of picture what I'm reading and picture how, how dreadful and how horrible it must have been. But it says, thus Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. You know, it's interesting. Is there a word from the Lord? I, I think of, I was thinking as I was reading that this morning, is kind of meditating upon it. 
and I was thinking of the lyrics to a song, and it was an old Fleetwood Mac song. Do you know where I'm going with this? Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. I mean, that's what the, I mean, the king, he keeps asking the same question. And it's almost like, Jeremiah, I'm going to keep asking until you tell me lies, sweet little lies. You need to tell me what I want to hear because what I'm hearing is really unsettling. What I'm hearing is really disturbing to me. I don't want to hear that we're going into captivity. I don't want to hear this doom and gloom. I want to hear something good. Look at chapter 38. I know I'm going through this quickly. Jeremiah, he's there in prison. You get to verse 7 on down. He's rescued by, of all people, a foreigner, an Ethiopian. Um, again, you see Zedekiah the king, he vacillates. It, it, it's almost as if, you know, he's going to give an answer uh, that's pleasing to whoever he's talking to. You know, uh, we need to put this guy in jail. Oh, go ahead, you know, put him in jail. Uh, we need to release this guy, you know, he's going to die there. Oh, yes, he's in your head. Go, go ahead, release him, you know. And it's just whatever, whoever he might be talking to, he just kind of vacillates. He's not a strong man at all. He has no strong opinions or views on anything. But look at verse 14. Then Zedekiah the king sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him at the third entrance of the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you something. Hide nothing from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, listen to this, if I declare it to you, will you not surely put me to death? It's like, Zedekiah, I keep telling you, all I could tell you is what the Lord has told me. This is the message. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Look what he says. And if I give you advice, will you not listen to me? So Zedekiah the king swore secretly to Jeremiah saying, All or as the Lord lives, who made our very souls, I will not put you to death, nor will I give you into the hands of these men who seek your life. Then... Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, listen, if you surely surrender to the king of Babylon, to Babylon's princes, excuse me, then you shall live. This city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall, shall live. But if you do not surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then this city shall be given into the hands of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their hands. Surrender. Boy, it sounds easy enough, doesn't it? Surrender. Next week, when Nate teaches his two chapters, he's going to show us in chapter 39, verse 5, the but. 
you could glance over there and know, look, see what I'm talking about. Sounds weird. The butt? Not that butt. The butt. The butt. But Zedekiah. Obviously, he did not listen. He did not heed the word of God. He did what he wanted to do. He trusted in the arm of the flesh. And the poor guy got his eyes gouged out <laughs> eventually. I mean, you know, he would not listen to the Lord. He would not obey. We uh, bought some books from Vance Havner. We had a, a dozen or so of them, and we set them out for you to take. I don't know if any of you happen to get one. Holy Desperation by Vance Havner. And uh, this is from, this little quote is from that book. By the way, just for a reference of time, Vance Havner died in 1986. So he's been gone for quite a while now, but he wrote this quote. Oh, you say, we must relate and communicate to the new age. Well, we're not doing too well with all the new technology. We're not cutting the mustard. We're preaching happiness instead of holiness. God didn't save you to make you happy. That's a byproduct. He saved you to make you holy. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. If you want to be popular, preach happiness. If you want to be unpopular, preach holiness. Oh, you say, but doesn't the Bible tell us, if ye knew these things, happy are ye, if ye do them, John 13, 17? Yes, but it's conditioned on two ifs. Knowing the word of God and doing the will of God. And you, and who wants to hear about that nowadays? There's a price to pay to be a holy man or woman of God. You need to buck the current because the tide's running the other way. You know, guys, you, you look at the things that are happening here, and it's, it's like it is, it is beyond the point of return. It, it's, it's not going to go back to what it was. It's beyond that. Judgment, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Now you say, Dan, we get it. Judgment was coming in the days of Jeremiah. Judgment was coming. No, no, that's not what I meant. Judgment is coming. Romans chapter 1, turn there. Romans chapter 1, judgment is coming. Guys, if they would have listened and obeyed, if they would have listened to God, if they would have listened to the prophets that God sent to them, if they would have listened and obeyed, they never, ever, ever would have had to deal with the Babylonians or any other folk. They wouldn't have to deal with any, any other foe. If they just would have simply listened and obeyed, they would have gone into the land, they would have had peace, the land flowing with milk and honey, and they would be ruled by God if they would have listened and obeyed. But they didn't listen and obey. And so they brought all of this, this judgment, upon themselves. Now, you guys know this. I... I um, 
you guys have, have been around the Word of God. You, I believe, studied the Word of God. You, you, um, you've been exposed to Bible prophecy. Um, this is not something you shy away from or you're ignorant of. Many of you are aware of these things. And, but you need to realize that you are a rarity because there are many people, many professing Christians, that are never exposed to Bible prophecy. Um, they are oblivious, really, to what the Bible has to say about the future. They're oblivious to the fact that the Bibles that they hold is a book of prophecy. Guys, I was thinking today how amazing it was that when God was speaking to Abram, before he had any children, old Abram, his wife was barren. She had always been barren. No kids, no children. And God says, hey, Abe, I'm going to bless your descendants. And your descendants are going to spend 400 years as strangers in another land. What? Now, first of all, this is reassuring to, to Abraham because it's like, so I'm not going to have just one. I'm going to have descendants. I'm going to have many children. And there, and, and, but then there's this, this prophetic word from the Lord to Abram. Your, your descendants are going to be strangers in a foreign land for 400 years. And, of course, he was speaking of their time in Egypt. Guys, you just look at that. I mean, there's so many examples of that in the Bible. And to not recognize that God is a God who tells us the future, who tells us things before they happen so that when they do happen, we may know that he is God. So listen, if you're one of his descendants 200 plus years later, you're in captivity. You know, you went in as a family, 70 members in all. You've been there for year after year, decade after decade, century after century. Your, your, your forefathers, they're long gone, and things have turned bad. You're no longer enjoying, you know, Goshen and uh, the pleasures of, of the Pharaoh and Egypt and all that. Things have gone horribly wrong. They despise you, the Egyptians do. They hate you. They have no remembrance of Joseph. They can care less about Joseph. And, and you were able to see in the word of God, God told our father Abraham about this before it ever happened. How long? 400 years. No, that, just rounding it off. We know that it was longer than 400 years, a little longer. It was less than 500 years, but it was a rounded off number. Do you think that if you were a faithful Hebrew, you had exposure to the word of God, Genesis, you know, the book of beginnings, and you began to count? You know, it's rough. It's bad. The more work we do, the more work they want us to do. They keep making it harder and harder on us. 
Now they're taking our children, our males, our boys, our little boys, and they're, they're, they're offering them to their gods of the Nile. They're killing off our children. Things are really, really bad. But, but I've been doing some calculation. And we're going to be out of here. This is going to end. Guys, that's what Daniel did. Daniel's reading, what's he reading? Jeremiah. So I was reading Jeremiah, and I realized that um, we were, according to God's word, supposed to be here in, in Babylon for 70 years. And David, or Daniel could go, you know, we're about to leave. We're about to. See, guys, listen, this is why we need to know the word of God, because the word of God reveals things. It tells us things that are coming before they come. We are on the threshold of God's judgment. Now, this is where people get upset. Oh, I don't want to hear it. You know, we could so arrogantly say, if I lived during the days of Jeremiah, I would have listened to Jeremiah. But we don't consider the days that we live in. Judgment, in fact, the, the worst judgment that the world has ever seen, it cannot be compared to the flood, the worldwide flood. It cannot be compared to anything else. A judgment is coming upon the earth. Now, is the judgment pronounced upon the church? Nope. But the judgment is pronounced upon this earth and the people of this earth. And so the bride of Christ should take note and say, I've been doing some calculating. <laughs> I've been paying attention. I've been watching what's happening. I've been listening to this news source and reading that news source. And, I, and, and, I've, and I've realized that we are getting close. It's coming. Well, back to listening and obeying. Are you, did I ask you to turn to Romans, Romans chapter 1? So Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That verse is amazing. We live in a world that suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. I mean, everywhere we look, there's unrighteousness. And, and the truth of God is being suppressed, and we're seeing it more and more. You know, oh, so you can't go to a public supermarket in a little town like Anacortes, Washington, the edge of the state of Washington, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, and hand out tracts and share the gospel. No, you got to leave. You're on private property. Suppressing the truth. Look at verse 24. Therefore... God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the cre creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Guys, listen. We know these scriptures. Some of you have been walking with the Lord for a long time. You've read these scriptures many, many times. But aren't they becoming yeah. clearer? In light of the days in which we're living, he gave them up to vile passions, exchanging, you know, I, I, it, it, he gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their 
their bodies. We see this mutilation of the body. Such a time as this. It's so strange. It's so bizarre. I mean, you know, guys, listen. Ten years ago, we might have read the words of Paul in, in, in Romans chapter 1, and, and, and we probably would not say, I think this is prophetic. I think, I think Paul was speaking prophetically, writing prophetically when he wrote these things. We might think, well, yeah, you know, that's what God was doing then, and God is doing that now, and we could see that, and this is just what God's doing. But we look at this, and all of a sudden it becomes clearer in light of what we're dealing with, in light of the world in which we're living in, and we say, man, this is the prophetic word of God. Look at verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful. And receiving in themselves, this goes back to the, the uh, dishonoring their bodies, and receive, uh, let's see, receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. This push, there is a homosexual agenda. You know, guys, listen, it's demonic. You say, oh, how dare you? That's hate speech. You're a homophobe. No, I'm just simply a Bible believer. This is what the Bible believes. I believe what the Bible says that God made man, male and female, and that they should cleave to one another. And what was the whole purpose of male and female? What was the whole purpose of creation, of humanity, of man? That you may be fruitful and multiply. You can't do that unless you have a man and a woman. And they're trying to go around that and trying to, oh, yes, we're going to pretend and all these things. And, you know, did you ever think that you would live in a time where we see before the Senate, before the authorities of the United States of our country being asked a question and they know the answer, but they play stupid? Or maybe they are stupid. Maybe they've been given over to a debased mind and they can't answer the question. What is a woman? And here's the thing, gals. You might want to pay attention. They're not asking, what is a man? What is a woman? This is not an attack upon manhood. I mean, it, in a direct way, indirect way, I mean, it affects all of us. But this is an attack upon women. Women aren't going on male teams and playing with male athletes. It's the males that are going, they were nobodies when they were competing with their peers, but now they're going on to women athletic teams and it's a, an attack against the woman. And you should see that. You know, I remember the women's, women's live movement in the late 60s and 70s. Hey, it's time to get power. Again, ladies, <laughs> you need to speak out against this because it really is an attack upon, upon you. You look at the deprived mind. How are we here? 
What's happened? They would not listen. They would not obey. So the wrath of God is revealed. He gave them up to this and over to that. And, and you say, listen to me now. You see, people want to, they want to shake their fist at God and say, how dare you do this? We're not deserving of judgment. And, and, but you got to read what Paul says. Paul says, listen, he gives them over to what they want. You say, that's the judgment? I want to do this to my body. I want to be with the man. I want to be with the woman. I want to think strangely with a debased mind. What is a woman? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. You know. He goes, I'll give you over to a debased mind. Guys, do you see this? Because this is so powerful and it's so startling to see that God, in essence, listen, God sent Judah, southern kingdom, to Babylon, the seat of idolatry. It's almost like he could have sent them to Egypt. He could have sent them back to Egypt. He could have sent them to the Assyrians. There were a lot of people he could have sent, a lot of groups that he could have sent them. He sends them to Babylon. What was he doing? I'm going to give you over to what you want. You want this? You get it. Eat it up. Enjoy it. You're going to be in a land that everything, the God of the microphone, the God of the pulpit, the God of the piano, the God of the window shade, the God of the wall, make sure you honor them. Dab a little perfume here and a little, pinch a little, uh, <laughs> you know. And after a while, they would sit, what? What kind of lunacy is this? What kind of depravity is this? Look at these people. They know no different, no better. But, but we know better, they would say. We know better. We know that there's one God. His name is Yahweh. And he's our God. And he gave us his law. And he gave us his land. And he gave us his prophets. And he gave us his promises. And he gave it, you know, and to realize, and now we've been given over to something that we thought we wanted. Remember the uh, prodigal son. I can't wait, man. I can't wait to get out of this home. My dad's such a drag. Man, I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to go. Even though he's not dead, I'm going to see if I can get my inheritance now because I'm out of here. I get the dough. I'm out of here. Hey, Dad, can I have my inheritance? I know you're not dead yet, but I really would like to, you know, go see the world. Here's your share, son. And what does he do? He goes out and he chases after everything his flesh desires. I want this, I want this, I want more of this, I want more of that. Oh man, this is so fun. I've got all these friends now. I never had friends when I was working for my dad. And now I have all these friends, not realizing that his friends only liked him because of what they were getting from him. <laughs> as long as you had those shekels coming out of your little money bag, we're with you, brother. And when it was gone, and where does he find himself? I mean, it, you know, in the worst possible situation for a Jew, feeding swine? Really? How disgusting. And he starts reasoning in his mind, you know, 
maybe, maybe my father's a good man. See, his perspective of his father's changing, you know, now that he's away from him under his, his, his roof, you know. My father's a fair man, and boy, he treats his servants a lot better than I'm being treated here. Maybe I could go back and persuade him to just take me on as a servant. And you guys know the rest of the story. Gold ring, new garment, new sandals. You know, put a ring upon his, slaughter the cow. My son that was lost is found. My son that was dead is alive, you know, the celebration. But guys, you look at this, judgment is coming, and we're seeing this. We're seeing, you know, we could go to Matthew chapter 24, and we could say, oh, we know we're in the last days because Jesus told us this and this and this and this. But I, I believe we could camp out right here in Romans chapter 1 and say, we know that we're living in the last days because of this and this and this. Look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil. Isn't that what we're seeing today? I mean, guys, we hear about things and we say, People are doing that? What's wrong with people? That is so perverse. That is so sick. Why would be? They're inventors of evil. Well, this doesn't ring my bell any longer. This doesn't satisfy. So we're doing this new thing, you know. You know, I want to scream. I really do. Because when I think of this, the new thing is our children. That's the new thing. And we see this perversion in the world. It's global. The younger, the better. These predators say. These men and women in power. They are inventors of evil. Judgment is coming. And we could protest. And there are many that do. You know, I, I, I think... You know, you talk about Bible prophecy, you talk about the coming judgment, and, and, and there are many Christians that, that are so quick to say, it's doom and gloom, it's depressing, I don't want to hear about these things. Tell me lies, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies, that's all I want to hear. Tell me it's going to be okay. Please, just tell me it's going to be okay. And the fact of the matter is there's enough voices out there, and there's even churches out there, not necessarily that they're going to tell you it's going to be okay, but they never address the elephant in the room. So it gives the impression everything's going to be okay. No, don't get me wrong. If you're a child of God, I believe that the church, everything's going to be okay for us, ultimately. But we don't know how difficult. We are talking about this on... Um, Monday night at our men's group, we don't know how bad it might get. We don't know how severe the persecution might be. You, you know, because just because we don't experience it here in our country, we have brothers and sisters that are severely. I know that the high schoolers watched a, a video last week of persecuted Christians. 
It's disturbing. You want to look away. You say, I don't want to think about these things. I don't like, oh, I'm glad I don't live there. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. I'm glad that Jesus is still popular in our country. Do you know that Jesus is not popular in our country? He is despised. You know what, guys? It's sad that there are Christians, when they hear about Bible prophecy, they don't want to have anything to do with it. But do you know what we see in the book of Revelation? The last chapter of the book of, Re of Revelation, we see the Spirit and the true bride of Christ saying, Come. That's what we see. And then just a, a few verses down, we see Jesus' response. Surely I'm coming quickly. Which is followed with the echo. So now here's the response of, of the people. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Guys, we need to understand, it's not doom and gloom. All... <laughs> All that is coming is leading up to the one who is coming. Do, do we get that? This illustration won't mean much to most of you. We're going to Disneyland. It's going to be fun. We're going to go to Disneyland and then the California Adventure Park. It's going to be a blast. The only problem is we have to drive there, and we have to drive through Los Angeles. Now, if you're from Southern California, as I was, you, if, you could, if there was any way you could, you could get someplace without driving through Los Angeles, you would do it because it's in, insanity on wheels, you know. And, and, and then you don't want to pull off because you pull off and you're in a bad part of town. Good luck. You're probably not getting back on the freeway before, <laughs> before you're ripped out of your car and carjacked, you know. But it's going to be fun when we get there. But there might be a little doom and gloom <laughs> before we get there. I know it's a weak illustration. The true believer looks beyond the doom and gloom to the glory of the Lord. I want you to hear this because we need to hear this. Do you know what the book of Revelation? First chapter of the book of Revelation tells us that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. What, what does revelation mean? Revelation, the word, the Greek word means unveiling, disclosure, appearing, coming, manifestation. So the book of Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. In the book of Jesus Christ, listen, in the book of Jesus Christ, more than any, any other book of the Bible, we see the victor in all his glory, triumphant, over sinful and rebellious humanity. And many want to turn away in disgust and say, I can't read it. It's so disturbing. It's so depressing. And I'm telling you, that is an absolute insult to God. 
I remember years ago teaching the book of Revelation. I've taught through it many times. And I was teaching through the book of Revelation. And I think we we're in chapter 4 or 5. And, um, and, and just the response, you know, as the 24 elders are praising the Lord. And, and then other times where you see... Uh, the heavenly, you know, those that are in heaven, they're praising the Lord for the judgment that's being poured out upon the earth. And I said in my teaching, I said, we will be, we will be rejoicing. We will be cheering our Lord on as he pours out his wrath upon this Christ-rejecting world. I finished the study and a fellow came up and he was livid. I can't believe you said that. I said, said what? That we, would be, that we would be happy, that we would be rejoicing, that Jesus is pouring out his grief. And I said, oh, yes, we will. You see, we'll see things from God's perspective, from a heavenly perspective, rather than just our earthly perspective. Because on earth, let's be honest, people are good people. And they've got good hearts. See, this is why we need to be in the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that our hearts are wicked. See, this is why the, the people who are always listening to the voices of the world, they don't believe God because they don't like what he has to say about humanity. And if we don't listen, we'll never get to the place where we say, Oh, Lord, I'm a wretched man. Please save me. I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you, Lord. You and you alone have I sinned. I'm deserving of your wrath. In fact, I'm not only deserving of your wrath. Remember, remember on, on Sunday, John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who, who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Guys, we, you know, th this is why we need this revelation. We're not good people who placed our faith in Christ, and now our lives are perfect. No, we're sinners with the wrath of God abiding on us. And the only way to get that wrath off of us is by placing our faith in the one who took the wrath upon himself. See, this is why I believe in a pre-trib rapture, that we're not subject to the wrath of God. It's not because we're great people. It's because he's a great God. And the wrath that was due to us was poured out upon Christ. Guys, this is why we need to be students of the Bible. Otherwise, we just read, oh, that would have been so hard to be crucified. And we don't even understand the spiritual ramifications of what happened. It was like all of our sin, your homosexuality, your adultery, your fornication, your addiction to pornography, your drug use, your lying, your thieving, you, you, it's just poured out on him. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. I mean, when you look at that and you go, oh, Lord, you're so good. Listen, we need to get our minds fixed on, you know, God's agenda rather than this world's agenda. 
There are people, you know, there are people that I, I don't want to hear these things. They're gloomy. They're depressing. They're just, I, I don't understand that because I don't see it that way. Don't get me wrong. There are some difficult times that are happening. In fact, let me just give you a sampling. Romans chapter, I'm sorry, Revelation. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. Antichrist is coming. He's probably already here. He just hasn't been revealed yet, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. When he comes upon the scene, he will deceive people. He will present himself as a man of peace. We know this because of what we read in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, and other scriptures. But the peace won't last very long at all. Revelation chapter 6, verse 4. It says to take peace from the earth. And then we have a brief little description of what that's going to look like. And that people should kill one another. Now, we're not in the tribulation, but guys, isn't it, to me, what's depressing and just, you know, so sad is you look at people, you look at Asian women that are being thumped on because they're Asian. And for some reason, Asians are now a punching bag for people. And, and you, look at, you look at men, you know, going after maybe an elderly man or an elderly woman that are trying to make their way to their car in a Walmart parking lot. And I just think, what's wrong with these people? They're like animals. They're vicious. And we're not even in the tribulation yet. We're not even there yet. And then it goes on in Revelation chapter 6, 6. Um, this speaks of a global famine. No, guys, if you're paying attention, I know you are because you guys are smart people and you love the Word of God and you study the Bible, but we know that the famine is coming. Did you see the video that, that just came out? 18, is it 18,000 cows were killed? So, no, you say, oh, what's the big deal? You, you got to watch the video because it's really, really disturbing to hear these cows. You see the explosion and to hear these cows moaning. I mean, they're dying. They're being, you know. And how how did that? How do eighteen thousand cows die? Well, of course they have a reason for it. Just like they have a reason for all the trains that are derailing across the United States of America. Just like they have a reason for all the food plants that are just supposedly, for by chance, burning up randomly. This is a <laughs> demolition. Famine is coming upon the whole world. And the book of Revelation tells us, it says, And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Not the beast Antichrist, but the beast. I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. Do you know that Jesus, do you remember when he rebuked the Sadducees and the Pharisees? You might be thinking, what time? You know, he always rebuked them. But he rebuked them for not knowing the days in which they lived. He said, hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Hypocrite, you know if it's going to be sunny tomorrow. But you don't even recognize the signs of the times? Have you not read Daniel? Did you not know that these things would come? 
Has anyone come into your midst that opens the eyes of the blinds, uh, blind and the ears of the deaf? And are, are you so blind? And he rebuked them. Why? Because they were the religious leaders. He said, shame on you, you hypocrites. You should know better. And I wonder if the Lord might say that to some of us who have been grounded in the word of God, and yet maybe we're tempted to turn a blind eye to the fact that judgment is coming. I'm almost done. I know I'm going long. There are those. We all know those. I, I've talked to people. You've talked to people. They say things like, well, when things get really bad, when things get really bad, or, or, or if, if you Christians really disappear one day, then, then I will place my faith in Christ. Do you know people like that? I know people like that. But they need to know that Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, tells us of a time of persecution that the world has never seen. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And then you have Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 14, cosmic disturbances. A great earthquake, the sun became black as sackcloth hair, and the moon became like blood. Stars of heaven fell to the earth. The sky receded like a scroll when it is rolled up. And every mountain and island, well, good luck, would be island <laughs> residents, and every island will be moved out of its place. And again, many say, I don't want to hear these things. I don't believe, I don't want to believe that these things are really going to happen. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention because the Lord so graciously, the Lord so graciously for the last three years has been screaming over a loudspeaker to the world to wake up. The time is short that he's coming. And I know this is unsettling. It's probably unsettling for young people because they say, well, I, I want to live my life, you know. But the fact of the matter is, is that, man, find your life in Christ. If you find your life in Christ, you're going to live an abundant life now, today, this moment. And if you're waiting for something, it's never going to happen because there's always this chasing after some, something that's just not, it's not a reality. It's not there. But you, you give your life to Christ, and I'll tell you, that changes everything. Revelation chapter 15. You know, if you'll note, I'm only in one chapter of Revelation, the beginning of the tribulation. I mean, this is only the very beginning of things. But it tells us of a time that is coming when people would rather die than face another day of the things that had, be that had come upon the earth. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the commanders and the mighty men and every slave and every free man. No, it's everybody. No one's exempt. Hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him. Who? The triumphal one. Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For great for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? I mean, this is coming. 
So you can say, you know, Dan, I don't like this. I'm going to go to another church where, you know, they just talk about happiness. Well, fine. To your own peril. To your own peril. I believe that the Lord wants us to know these things so that it might spur us on to be more fervent than we've ever been in our life. Time is running out. Time is short. Again, I, you know, I, I hope I'm not embarrassing David, but you know, we, we, we talked about witnessing. We talked about sharing the gospel. David talked to us about getting tracks, and David brought some tracks in on Sunday. People must have grabbed them because I didn't see any back there, you know, and, and, uh, and, and so David goes out, and he just wants to do this, you know, and he said, you know, it was really, I just, I was blessed going out and doing this. It was something the Lord put upon his heart. He went out and did that. You know, guys, that's not, that's not something that the natural mind wants to do. I mean, it's not. It's, I'm going to go in a public place where people are going to think I'm an idiot for standing out here talking about Jesus and handing out tracts. That's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's a burden that the Lord lays upon your heart. It's that, it's that frustration. Lord, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? To where finally you say, you know, I, I'm doing this. I, I could do this. I'm going to do this, whatever this might be, you know. And um, I'm going to do this thing, you know. I'm, I'm going to go to the soup kitchen. I'm going to go to the, to the, the homeless mission. I, I'm going I'm to go down to the street. I'm going to make sandwiches. I'm going to share the... I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. And the Lord just puts that burden upon your heart. Do you know that that's how every missionary that's ever gone out on the field felt? I've got to do something. After all, what Christ has done for me, I know what I'm deserved, what I deserved. I, I know that, I, I, oh gosh, if I was to die before coming to faith in Christ, I'd die in my sins. I'd be eternally separated from God. Look what God has done for me. You know, I think the longer we live, to be honest, the longer we live and the more disgusted we are with our own behavior, the more we appreciate what God has done for us. I just know that to be true. People that have just really made absolute poor decisions in their life, just, you know, just lived a hellish life and they come to faith in Christ, there is a, there is a sincere faith and dependence upon the Lord because they know, they know where they came from. And they just think, why would God love someone like me? Why would he save someone like me? Well, i got to finish this. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, if you surrender, and the same applies to us. Listen, for, for Zedekiah it was, if you surrender to the enemy, you'll live. Your life will be a prize to you. The Lord is not calling us to surrender to our enemy. See, that's the problem. Too often we do surrender to the enemy. <laughs> He wants us to surrender to him. He wants us to find our, our all in him. If the people of old would have listened and obeyed God's voice, they never would have had to face any of their foes or any of their woes. 
And if people today would listen and obey and believe in Jesus Christ for forgiveness and new life, they will never see the tribulation. So, we've been warned. This isn't the first time you've heard these things. But if, you, if it is, you've been warned. We can laugh, we could scoff, we could say, oh, that's ridiculous, I can't believe that grown man believes such things. But I'm telling you, when it comes, it will be like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you remember that Lot had son-in-laws from Sodom and Gomorrah? And uh, he went to them and he, he told them, in essence, thus says the Lord, the city we live in and the city adjacent to it, it's going to be destroyed. It's going to rain fire and brimstone. And his son-in-laws thought he was joking. Oh, yeah, Lot, you old dude. How foolish, old man. And his wife. You know, we look at that, and many times I think people, even Christians, they don't believe, they don't take the Bible literally when we should take it literally. But she turned back. Why? I'm so fond of the city. And I think that's the problem with many of God's people. I'm so fond of this world. I love this world so much. On Monday afternoon, I... I had mentioned to the guys, I um, had to run an errand. I came back, I parked my truck back here, back lot. I, I, I'm parked, there's a guy bent down. It looks like he's tying his shoe, but it's taken him a long time. He's just kind of bent down. And so I just kind of sit there in my truck. I wasn't sure if he was stalling and, you know. And then finally he stands up and then he starts walking toward the truck. So I get out of the truck and I said, hello, how are you? And he said, oh, I, I, I found a, a, a green rock. I said, oh, looking for treasure? And he goes, yeah, looking for treasure. And he's just out of it. I mean, he finds a rock in the gravel here, and, and he's just out of it. It was just sad. As that's happening, I hear this kind of a growl, moan, and I look over and there's the fellow that I mentioned that was out here, I chatted with him a few weeks ago, his name's Michael, it's cold out there, on, Mon on Monday it was cold and he has one pant leg rolled all the way up and one down, he's drooling out of the side of his mouth, he's murmuring and growling as he's making his way up the street, the other fellow says, hey, Michael, I found a green rock. Michael looks over and just, rawr, rawr, rawr. and I just, my heart just sunk. And I'll tell you, I came into the building and I said, Lord, you never intended humanity to be like this. This is what the devil does to people. God doesn't do this to people. <laughs> God is not cruel. 
The enemy does this. And I think it's just so sad. And I'll tell you, I cannot wait to leave this place. And it's not because, oh, you've lived a long life, you know, you're done living, old man. No, it's because I'm homesick for my place of citizenship, which is heaven. Lord, we pray that every person in this room has truly, truly, truly placed their faith in you. We pray, Father, that every person in this room would, would examine themselves to see if they're truly in the faith. That they would look for the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life. That they would look for that desire, that love for your word, Lord, to sit and commune with you and pray to you, Lord. Lord, would you please get our attention before it's too late? I know that you've been speaking You've been showing us things in the past three years. It's every day. For those of us that are paying attention, every day there's something that makes us think that lines up with this scripture and that lines up with that scripture and, and we know that it's soon. So Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, amen.